All right, welcome to Movie Bros. Uh, today we watched Star Wars from 1977, directed by George Lucas, and that is the original Star Wars. Kevin, what uh, is your rate? 6.5. Okay. Uh, my rate's uh, 8 out of 10. It's a classic. Uh, who doesn't love a good, fun, pulpy sci-fi adventure? And this is definitely one that uh, everyone, well, at least pretty much everyone loves. I think. What do you think, Kevin? Uh, I mean, all the characters were a lot more ridiculous than I remember. And um, the plot line was way too bare bones. But uh, definitely, definitely a fun movie. Yeah, I think definitely you can say that it's super stripped down in terms of both plot lines and characters. Uh, I think all the characters do feel very uh, simplified. You know, there's, like, the farm boy that wants adventure. There's, like, the old mentor figure. Uh, the dash and rogue that's just in it for himself. You know, the princess that is kind of a bit of, like, rebel herself. You know, it's all kind of very, like, bare-bones characters. But I think they're fun, and they... The actors, like, know exactly what they're playing towards, right? And so they can kind of play into the campiness of the setting. And I really enjoy that. Um, same thing with the plot itself, you know. Again, super bare bones, which means it doesn't have to one-take itself very seriously. Uh, but also, it leaves time open for kind of more uh, action scenes, more, like, weird stuff, more, like funny jokes and interactions between the characters. And I think that's really what draws most people into uh, this story. Kind of just these characters' interactions with each other. They're just fun to be around, fun to watch. The like hijinks that they get into are super fun. I think, obviously, in this one, um, the whole classic like sequence of them in the Death Star, um, I think that's always like really the highlight. Um, people always enjoy like the the final climactic like assault on death star but um rewatching it now i think it's a little hard to follow uh just because it's so many like close-up shots of like pilots and you don't really know where they are in terms mm. of each other as they're like going through um this trench run it's a little a little difficult to really like understand what's going on um whereas i think at least in the the rescue of the princess, you know, you kind of understand where everyone is, what they're doing at the time. They all have their own, like, separate parts to play as they all, like, kind of break off into different sections. And they all kind of interact with each other as they're going through. And, and it's honestly a lot of fun. You get a lot of uh, great scenes, great action bits, a lot of comedy. Uh, I, I always really think that that's where Star Wars is at its peak. Is there a lot of comedy? Yeah, there's, I think there's a lot of fun stuff. There's a lot of, like, wry comments from Han Solo. Um, there's C-3PO, who's got some fun, like, witty banter, but also he's kind of just the butt monkey that, like, has terrible things happen to him, and it's funny to watch. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that's played up way more in other movies, and there's not that much banter and comedy in this movie as compared to the... The latest Star Wars. You think so? I feel like, especially the newest ones, I think, try and be funnier, I guess. But there's definitely some good bits. Yeah, I feel like everything's just way too convenient in the movie. From 
CP3O meeting R2D2 on that like uh, tank cruiser thing to them both being chosen to meet Luke randomly and then meeting Obi-Wan just in the middle of the desert. Just every plot line is just unnecessarily convenient. I mean, I suppose so. You know, they... It almost feels faded, and I guess you could have an interpretation of, you know, the will of the force kind of deal like that, of all these coincidences kind of coming together for, like, a true fatalistic purpose, if you want to, like, go with that. Uh, I mean, honestly, truly, it's lazy writing, because, I mean, (laughs) it's a pretty simplistic story. Um, As much as, like, I love Star Wars for all of this kind of stuff, writing is not its forte. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all the costumes I feel like didn't age well at all. And then the the CGI monsters like Jabba the Hutt mm-hmm. that was some pretty terrible CGI. It is interesting to see because the one that we watched is obviously the um, the special edition cut of the film, where like obviously in the original uh, they wouldn't have had CGI at that time. Uh, George Lucas kind of went back and redid a lot of this this film with kind of added effects and added scenes and all that kind of stuff. Um, He thinks it makes it better. I feel like it's kind of out of place with a lot of the practical effects. Mm -hmm. Like, you can always really tell which which bits are, like, CGI that he added in there. Yeah. And they almost never really serve any true purpose or anything added. Like, you you remember that scene where he talks to... Um, Jabba the Hutt, which isn't in the original because they wouldn't have had the the Jabba the Hutt CGI at that time. And it really just reiterates what he was um, talking about in the bar before he he left, right? There was Mm -hmm. the assassin that was coming after him. Uh, Greedo was his name, I believe. And he kind of just even just says almost the exact same dialogue that he says to Jabba the Hutt. It it doesn't really add anything new. And that's where you notice, because the, the green alien guy's obviously in a costume, mm-hmm. and it's super, like, you notice it the whole scene. Yeah, it's a rubber mask. Yeah, that's <laughs> And then really... the next scene is the weirdest CGI blob that just, like, is imposed above Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I honestly don't like that kind of obvious adding to it, mostly because, one, it serves no purpose, but, two, it feels out of place. Like, if you're gonna have this movie that's such an iconic uh, thing, like, just leave it the way it is. It's gonna look hokey and cheesy in a lot of parts. And like you point Mm -hmm. out, the practical effect costumes, um, well, impressive for for the time, honestly. I think they're all very, like, funny and creative. Uh, You can always tell, like, they're all in, like, suits and they all look uh, a little, little janky and weird. I think it adds to the charm, honestly. I mean, some of them don't. Like, Chewbacca doesn't look that weird. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... That is a really well-done yeah. uh, practical effect. Because, mm-hmm. um, I I mean, I guess it's just basically like a... Almost like a skin-tight suit, which is really furry. Because uh, I know the actor that played him was actually quite tall. Uh, so it didn't, like, add any, like, length to him, really. It was just kind of made him a little furry. Put, it, put him, like, a weird, like, dog face on him. And, uh, obviously all of his sounds are done in post. And so, yeah, I think it works really well. Uh, I think the droids are, uh, are really interesting. I always really love the fact that R2-D2 is actually like a person inside of that. 
like kind of maneuvering around that must have sucked as a as a gig but mm-hmm. yeah and i didn't remember luke being such a whiny little bitch for the first third of the movie he's such an like a classic teen with mm-hmm. so much angst mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i always think like luke is the least interesting out of all of the uh the characters i think mostly because he's an audience stand-in so i think he he has to feel a little like your average joe kind of guy um and he is kind of just super whiny and he's all like oh i want to get out of here this is lame this sucks and then his parents uh, just get burned well his aunt and uncle gets oh yeah, yeah burned to death and he like, almost gets no shits. Mm-hmm. He's just like, ah, all right, no reason to be here anymore. Well, he's he's a little mad, you know. He's he he, he not the correct amount of motion for them being like skeletons that burned outside of their hut. Yeah, it's kind of just like a sour look for him, and then <laughs> yeah. he comes back to Obi Wan and it's like, I want to go with you, and you can yeah. tell that there's some pain inside of him, but. You know, he definitely could have could have pushed that a little bit more. Like, it seems like he's more sad about Obi-Wan Kenobi dying than yeah. his actual, like, foster family. For, like, 20 years they raised him. Yeah. His so, mom seemed nice, at least. Yeah, yeah, Emperor's nice. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he always feels a little, uh, a little weird to me. But, I mean, you kind of want to see him, like, grow into his own. And he does over the next few, um, even in, like, the actual movie itself. But I think over the next few movies, you know, he definitely becomes a bit more of an interesting character as it goes along. But always the, I always find the least interesting. Because he's just up against just some, like, over-the-top weird characters. Like, we put him next to Han Solo, and it's always going to look boring. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Han Solo, that, that iconic Harrison Ford role? I mean, he, yeah, he's clearly the best character, the most interesting. Like, yeah, he's the only one who provides any sort of comic relief. It's not even that comedic. He's just, like, being a narcissist the whole time. And yeah. A slight douche. So. Yeah, he's got, like, a little dry wit to him. He's always uh, there to, like, comment on how terrible things are going. Uh, you obviously really get that there's chemistry between him and Princess Leia as they just, like, argue with each other for most of the film. It Um, honestly seems like there's more chemistry between Leia and Luke. Which always is (laughs) super gross when you think about it later. But obviously, they didn't know that there were going to be siblings at that time. Uh, At that time, they didn't even know that Darth Vader was going to be Luke Skywalker's father. Uh, Spoilers for people who've never seen the Empire Strikes Back. I don't think that's a spoiler for any human on the earth. Yeah. I think even if you haven't seen the movie, it's kind of just through osmosis, you learn that kind of stuff. But, no, it is always weird seeing, like, the romantic tension between Luke and Leia. Um, (laughs) Which I think is is perfectly fine when it wasn't established that they're, like, genetically related. Not even that, but they're twin brother and sisters. Hmm. Yeah, it's also weird seeing Obi Wan as a different actor. Yeah, I'm used to him as the like the younger as Ewan version. McGregor. Yeah, yeah. Um, where this one is actually the most famous person in the cast. Uh, he's a classic Shakespearean actor, um, Alec Guinness. He's in a lot of a lot of very famous old movies. Yeah, and apparently he fucking hated being on set. 
like because obviously this weird space wizard role is beneath him (laughs) and you know i get it if you're being like in Shakespearean plays and I think he's he I don't know if he ever won an Oscar but I feel like he was nominated um but when you go from that to being in this weird sci-fi that at the time sci-fi was not well received uh it was kind of a very niche genre uh a little too pulpy a little four children kind of deal um and so I understand his uh his reticence to be in this Film. The other sort of famous actor at that time would have been Peter Cushing as Grand Moff Tarkin. Um, other than that, pretty much everyone else is kind of a bit of an unknown. Mm. So what does he do with the Force at the end when he like p- potentially gets murdered and he may have just became a ghost? So it seems like... I mean, you, you find out later that he is a force ghost. He becomes one with the force somehow, uh, and is now just kind of instructing Luke from beyond the grave. And he does point out to Darth Vader in their fight that uh, if you strike me down, I will just become more powerful than ever, uh, which seems to be his plan the entire time, just to distract Darth Vader so that uh, everyone else can leave, and then he just turns into a force ghost so he can further help Luke. So once you're a force ghost, you're forever a for- force ghost? It seems like it, yeah. Wait, isn't that what Luke does in the last movie? Like, the latest movie that just came out? Yes. Well, it was, like, weird. That That's more like a astral projection, but then he becomes a force ghost. Because everyone ends up being a force ghost for some reason. Um, it, it feels a lot more special when it's just one person doing it. But turns out, like, pretty much every Jedi can do it now. I don't remember from the latest Star Wars being able to change people's opinion using the Force. Is that something that only happens in this movie? Uh, There is some mind tricks that go on in a bunch of them. They often don't work, honestly. Uh, Because even Obi-Wan mentions in this film, it only works on, like, the weak-willed and stuff like that. Um you kind of have to choose who you're going to be trying to manipulate. Like, obviously, if they know that you're doing it, it's probably going to be harder. If they're kind of just, like, a smarter, more intelligent person, probably a little bit harder. Um, Someone who's just insanely stubborn, probably a little bit harder. So it doesn't work all the time. It's more just, like, hypnotic suggestion. So why is Obi-Wan just hanging out in the desert? When Luke is about to get murdered. Um, Ostensibly, he's just been looking after Luke his entire life. Because I guess you find out later that he's always been looking after Luke because that's kind of his job. Because he's Darth Vader's son. So he's he's, been watching him for 20 years? Yeah, from like the shadows. But obviously, again, they wouldn't have known this in, in... this actual uh, cut of the movie. So why this is the first not... one. So like really, just because. Why did Why did he not just try and train him earlier? Like all of a sudden he's like, oh, I should train you. Um, I guess because ultimately he he keeps saying that it's because, uh, Luke's uncle said no. Hmm. Um, once he was burned to death. Yeah, once he's burned to death, he can't say no. no but anymore. he actually wanted to train him when he thought he was still alive. 
I mean, that's true. He, he basically is like, oh, I'm going to leave now. You should come with me. Mm. So I th- think he always wanted to train him. And it was probably just that his uncle kept him on such a tight leash that he was never really to, like, able to, like, speak with him alone ever. Yeah. And kind of, like, persuade him into doing this. Um, but Luke doesn't use that much force in this movie. Like, he just uses it that one time to destroy the Death Star. Yeah, he he's definitely very new to this. Uh, and he's never really been fully trained. He had, like a, like, a day of training in the Force. Which is honestly pretty impressive if he can do that with, like, one day of training. Um, but uh, you've, you, later he does get to do, like, a full training montage with Yoda. And we don't actually really know how long that was. Empire Strikes Back's got a weird timeline that I won't really get into. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, pretty impressive that he could do that already. After, like, just learning about the Force maybe even, like, two days ago. And then he can, like, direct photon missiles, I think they're called, like, into an exhaust port. So, mm. so good on him. Yeah, so another weird plot point is how they just stumbled upon the Death Star just out of nowhere. Well, no, like, that one makes sense. Because they're going to Alderaan to hand over the uh, why are they going to Alderaan? The plans. Because that's where Princess Leia was going before. Her whole thing was she was going to Alderaan to give um, the plans to her father, the King of Alderaan, who is part of the Rebel Alliance. So once they gave it to Alderaan, they would have the plans, they would kind of know but everything. But he had already evacuated to the Rebel base? So, no. No, King of Alderaan's dead. Uh-huh. Yeah. So... Her dad died? She seemed not that mad about it. Well, she was... It's pretty bad, I think, that they blew up her entire planet. Yeah, no one showed a, the like correct amount of emotion hmm. for the amount of people that died. I feel like you don't want to get too heavy. I thought the dude that you met when she got off the plane no, at the was rebel just, base... That was just, just a, a rebel ran, leader. random old guy. Yeah. Um, but basically how it, how it works out was they were always wanting to go to Alderaan, and Grand Moff Tarkin decides, okay, well, if Princess Leia is not going to give us the rebel base location, we're just going to blow up Alderaan, because that's a planet that she cares about. And so they get there just after they blow up Alderaan. So it is kind of a coincidence, but they were all kind of going to the exact same place because Princess Leia was from Alderaan. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then once they all escape, then they just go directly to the rebel base. So why does Han Solo have such a great spaceship? Yeah, but he lives in the fucking ghetto. Um... Well, I mean, it's kind of explained in... Well, it is 100% explained in later movies, specifically the one after it. He takes it from a guy named Lando Calrissian. Um, I think in a oh, poker match. Donald Glover? Uh, well, it's Billy D. Williams in the original, but yes, uh, Donald Glover in the movie Solo. Um, uh, he yeah. is the owner of okay. uh, the Millennium Falcon and... Han Solo basically wins it off him, slash kind of steals it from him. Mm. So it's it's a pretty impressive ship that he kind of just 
came into through very shady means. Hmm. And that's how he has a fast ship. Because he's kind of a, a sleazy guy who kind of wiggled his way into having it. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, what, what other stuff was there? Okay, wait, what was the original thing that they were looking for in the first scene in the movie that Leia had? Like, essentially the whole plot. Plans to the, de- to the Death Star. Which was utterly irrelevant because mm-hmm. they went to the Death Star and got the technical data. No. It was always in the R2 unit. So it was the original. I thought it was the technical data he got from, like, inserting his, like, probe into the machine. Uh, no. No, they always okay. had it, and it was always inside of R2-D2. Uh, they just happened to be, get onto the Death Star because it went to Alderaan. They got pulled in. They found the princess, all that stuff. So how did she initially get the technical data? I'm assuming this is explained in, like, the third movie. Um, no, that one's actually... Well, first it's explained in the opening crawl. Uh, yeah. Where it says that it was their first victory against the Empire and they obtained data about this uh, rebel, uh, well, about this battleship, which they gave to Princess Leia as an envoy because she's technically part of the Galactic Senate. So she's like an important person, but also like sympathetic to the Empire, uh, to the, to the re- rebellion. So she's not like a full rebel. She's kind of just like. Um, secretly a rebel so you give the plans to her so she can just go on a diplomatic mission and kind of secretly bring the plans over now how they actually get the plans is really actually explained in another movie called rogue one. Oh yeah yeah <laughs> uh which does end with them handing off I the plans like to princess leia well actually watch all these in order wait how many movies are there now there are 11 um like including there would rogue one be and Solo? 11 yes Holy. Yeah. Also, a bunch of TV series, like the Clone Wars TV series, uh, Mandalorian, uh, those, Star Wars Rebels. Do those necessarily follow the same plotline and characters? Um, it's kind of more ancillary characters, a lot of it. Um, I think Clone Wars has a lot to do with, like, Obi-Wan and Anakin Skywalker. Uh, there's There's a lot, basically. There's a lot of Star Wars stuff that you could... Uh, like get lost in not only that but there were a bunch of books which kind of aren't canon anymore now that uh, Disney took it over Um, basically there's a lot of supplemental material that kind of like explain or like kind of get into more detail or kind of change up just the random crap that they talked about in this film like there's the start where uh, Luke mentions like to Obi-Wan oh you fought in the Clone Wars I mean, no one fucking knew what the Clone Wars was when they wrote that. They just thought it sounded cool. And so later on, they're like, oh, so what was this Clone Wars? We'll make an entire movie about it. Fair enough. So it, it is weird how like they kind of build out a world from just weird offhanded um, like stuff that they say that sounds like vaguely science fiction-y. Interesting. Um, and yeah, so this movie's really the start of it all. Just random stuff that they say end up becoming uh, completely universe-defying bits of lore. So when this was initially created, it was supposed to just be this one movie. Mm-hmm. They didn't know how well it was going to be uh, mm-hmm. received. Because, I mean, it's sci-fi, it's very pulpy. Uh, the director, George Lucas, was well-known at the time, but he 
he, like he did uh, American Graffiti. Uh, he just his like debut was this like sci-fi film. Um, oh, I'm blanking on the name. It's like a bunch of like letters and numbers. The THX one thirty seven, something like that. But uh, so he was already known for doing like kind of high concept sci fi stuff, and so he kind of got enough money to create this big space epic that even he wasn't really sure was gonna like pan out, and especially like in early drafts and like there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that you can really tell like they had a hard time making this and if it didn't end up becoming like so bare bones and so like straightforward that I think it probably just would have been way too overblown for anyone to really give a shit about. Hmm. So was this initially popular or? Oh yeah. It was extremely initially popular. Um, cause the sci-fi effects that, uh, they have at, at that time were revolutionary. Like you'd never really seen that kind of like large scale space battle. Uh, all those were like practical miniature effects. I mean, like, didn't this come around the same time as Alien? I feel like it's um, worse effects than Alien. It's a good question. I think it was, yeah, very similar time. Um, but I mean, you think about like the Alien and Alien, it's like just a rubber suit. And the thing was that they kind of had to hide in the shadows to really like get like a good effect going. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this one was always like just right out in front of you. And instead of like the slow moving like ship uh, models, but they're actually like fast moving ships and they're like firing at each other and exploding and, mm-hmm. and doing like crazy trench runs and all that kind of stuff. And there's like uh, lightsaber fights and, oh, yeah, and blasters. Lightsaber and- fight was fucking terrible. Compared to the lightsaber fights now. It is really interesting to see the evolution of that kind of um, lightsaber duel over the years. Because it really does feel a lot more like they have like these huge like broadswords that they're kind of like parrying and thrusting. It feels a lot more calculated than like the weird like twirling and swinging that uh, it becomes. No, this is not... They're essentially just touching them together aside, like, back and forth. Mm-hmm. And that would be what an actual sword fight would look like. Not that slow-paced. Like, I remember when Luke was just watching them through the window, and they're literally just going back and forth, touching fucking lightsabers on each other. Mm-hmm. They were, like, testing each other's defenses, parrying. Um, it, I mean, it, was a, it was a bit more, like, methodical. There was a lot of thought in their fighting. And you'll, you see in the next film, like... Uh, Darth Vader and Luke have a fight with lightsabers and it's a lot more chaotic it's honestly probably the best one that they end up doing in all three of the originals um, but you can tell like it's a lot of like wild swinging around Luke doesn't really know what he's doing um, whereas you can really tell that there's a bit of like a back and forth and Obi-Wan's trying to like pace this out because that's kind of his plan he's not in it to win the fight he's kind of just blocking and moving around and kind of biding time for the other people to leave. Yeah. I feel like what really holds up well over time is the Darth Vader mask and all the Stormtrooper masks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, those look... That's an iconic design, to the yeah. the new movies, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I, I do really like how they end up designing Darth Vader and, like, how he looks. Like, it's kind of, like, weird, um, angular 
like facial mask where it's got like the kind of like a triangle there but it's like a lot of like dome shapes um it, it makes him look like menacing mm-hmm. and you kind of never really know what he's thinking just because there's no facial expression there um yeah, I think it gives him, like, a lot of, uh, like, a menacing presence. And he's, like, a really tall guy. The actor that they had in there was, was I think, quite tall. Um, so he just feels like an imposing figure. And I really enjoy just the presence of Darth Vader. Even though we don't really get to see him do that much. Uh, again, they really save a lot of really great Darth Vader stuff for the second film. Yeah, he doesn't do that much stuff like he chokes a guy once mm-hmm. he doesn't really use it against obi-wan not that we can see it now so mm-hmm. yeah he, he does feel like really minimal presence but always a threatening one which is interesting yeah another big difference between the latest movies is the the blasters they're always just super wild missing every blaster shot and yeah, I think it adds to like the kind of chaotic, pulpy uh, sense of it. Just that most of the shots that anyone, like even like a, a marksman like Han Solo puts out there, it's almost always a miss. Mm-hmm. Um, there's obviously like a big uh, like joke that stormtroopers can't hit anything because obviously you don't want your main character to get shot too much. Um, but even the heroes themselves, as you pointed out, like they don't really hit that often either, which I think makes it like a more fun tense battle when they're just missing 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 and then one lucky hit mm-hmm. yeah I feel like what was your favorite scene um that's a good question I think again I have to go back to like all the stuff on the Death Star um I think in general just the attempt to break Leia out of the the prison where there's a lot of like it's very like a like a one step forward two step back kind of deal where they like decide to well first off they get captured and then they hide in the smugglers bit uh like bin and then they get the costumes and then decide like to bring Chewie up in handcuffs but that doesn't really work and then they fight their way and there's a lot of like really good like rising tension as they get closer to their goal but they keep fucking up so that's it really feels like like a real just scramble like it feels like a desperate attempt as they like get locked out and end up in a garbage chute and get attacked by a monster but then they get saved by c-3po and then they break out and they still have to fight their way through and i think it's got a really good rising tension that's uh it's really well done. Fair enough. It's a great action scene with a lot of like heart and a lot of great characterization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like my favorite one, even though the costumes are terrible, is the like bar scene, mm. in the intro to Han Solo. Oh yeah, that's a really great bit where you really get to get a sense of like the seediness of the bar, but also like this alien world because you have so many like crazy costumes and yeah. this weird music that's playing and it feels dangerous and dark and it really gives you a sense of like there's so much out there that we don't know about. For sure. Yeah, I feel like that really It gives you a sense of like a greater world yeah, out there. It encapsulates the 
the Star Wars mm-hmm. universe. Well, exactly. All that like shooting and action scenes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They're like. And something you did point out actually, which is very astute, I think, um, was that you really don't see that many aliens after that scene. Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone on the Death Star is a human. Even everyone in the Rebel Alliance is a human in the first um, movie. It becomes a little bit more uh, species diverse in later films. Uh, and then obviously it actually just becomes ethnically diverse in later films after that. Um, but yeah, it's almost all like just white dudes after a while. I think, I feel like they kind of just ran out of budget after like that, uh, that bar scene. Like, well, we can't really afford to put more people in costumes. Just ugly white dudes from here on out. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is interesting to see like how they kind of narrow down the casting after a while. Um, and obviously probably intentional they probably just ran out of budget but they definitely feel like they try and like expand the universe as it goes on like that in later movies yeah uh, yeah I think that's pretty much it um, anything else you want to say uh, I guess the the robots also I feel like they hold up really well I feel that they're almost the exact same as the new movies uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of the new movies really do try and keep those practical effects in there, especially in kind of the uh, the robot category. I mean, even in the newer ones, you can actually just make, like, robots that you can, like, remote control. Mm-hmm. So you can still keep them as practical effects, but you don't have to have, like, people in them manipulating them, which is uh, probably good for them. So C-P-3O is an actual human. C-3PO is an actual human inside of there. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like he holds up the best. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's a great actor, too. I think he he's, uh, has a very fun like inflection to him. He really feels always so weirdly out of place in everything. Um, that is fun just watching him just kind of like stumble around and be scared and fuck up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it still is the worst part of the movie is how they just happen to be sold to fucking Luke. I mean, I guess there's there's in, definitely some contrivances, the yeah. Twelve but minutes. If you're thinking about that, you know, it's you're probably not going to have a, a great time anyway. If you're getting a little too bogged down with, yeah, I the the contrivances of this this fun little movie. Nothing's worse than when the plot makes sense, right? Exactly. Uh, all right, I think that's pretty much it. Um, that uh, will be it for now. We'll see you guys next time.